Wow, I really appreciate that. Don't you guys? That was amazing. Thank you. I believe that was uh, Regina. Is that right? Did I get your name right for that testimony this morning? Praise, praise the Lord for that. Man, that's, that's moving. Well, it's great to be with you guys again this morning. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was with you, and uh, it's always great when you get a chance to be invited back, because you never know. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. It really is. Uh, uh, Dr. Wheeler texted me this morning um, about 7 o'clock, and he said, give my love to my Rocky Mount family this morning. So Dr. Wheeler sends his love to you, and um, I want you to know that he, he really um, misses you all this morning. Uh, this morning, our, uh, our text is going to come out of um, Exodus chapter 33, Exodus chapter 33, and we're going to begin our reading this morning from verse 12, Exodus chapter 33, we're going to begin our reading in verse 12. Would you guys please stand with me as we honor God in the reading of his word this morning? Exodus chapter 33, starting in verse 12. Hear the word of the Lord. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know where you will send, who you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you will see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for an honor to get to preach your word this morning. I pray that you will help us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come this morning and reside in this place. I pray for your presence to be very tangible for us here this morning. And Lord, I pray that as the word of God is preached and the spirit of God is at work, Lord, that our hearts would be fixed and attuned and sensitive to you. I pray, Lord, for your spirit to be at work in convicting hearts and minds and where we need to repent, God, there is repentance, and where there needs to be confession, there is confession. Lord, I pray that you are stirring in the hearts and the souls of your people this morning, those who already know you, and God, if there be 
some among us who have yet to know who you are, I pray, God, that you would bring conviction to soul and transform and redeem and make new today. We trust you with all of it. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You guys can be seated. So this is going to be a challenge for me today because I chose to go uh, with the handheld this morning and I'm actually even going to leave it in here. And I'm a man who, when he speaks, likes to move around a lot. And so uh, I'm already feeling challenged already to be standing in one place. So we got a lot of work to do before we get to uh, this particular uh, passage uh, in Exodus chapter 33. So let me back up a little bit and sort of bring us up to speed because I don't want to just sort of parachute into Exodus 33 and sort of try to figure out what's going on. So let me... uh, Uh, Give me the liberty, if you would, to sort of uh, back up, sort of see some things that's going on, and then know how to how to move forward in that. So uh, this is Moses, right? This is this is Moses, the man who had um, committed murder in Egypt, and he he left and he uh, went to Meridia, and uh, there's where he um, he herded he shepherded sheep for uh, forty years, right? And uh, the Lord comes to him one day when he's out in a burning bush and speaks to him. And he says, I want you to deliver my people out of, out of Egypt. They had been being held captive in slavery in Egypt for a long time. And so um, after uh, arguing with the Lord for a little while, right, he goes to Egypt. And um, he follows the commands of the Lord. Uh, sees, many, sees the Lord do a lot of miracles. Um, and, and pleads with Pharaoh to let his people go. And as a result, we saw a lot of signs that the Lord did to Pharaoh throughout, right? And eventually we see the people delivered from from the hands of the Egyptians. And we see them move forward and cross this thing called the Red Sea. Uh, Their backs are against the the Red Sea and the Egyptian army is pressing in on them. And we see that the Lord parts the waters, uh, that his people are set free. And then the waters come in over the Egyptian army and, and drown them out. And over and over and over again, we see the Lord provide for his people. We see them being led by a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night. The presence of the Lord himself leading the way as the, as the children of Israel um, marched toward this place that he had promised to give them, right? This, this land of milk and honey that he had promised uh, his people to possess, and then they arrive at this place called Mount Sinai. And uh, at Mount Sinai is where you and I know that uh, the law of God was given. That he would call Moses to come up on the mountain. And we would see the smoke descend upon the mountain. And Moses would go and he would meet with the Lord there. And this is where we receive the, the Mosaic law. This is an important time. Um, in, this, in this particular journey that the, the Israelites are on. And while they're at Mount Sinai, the Lord calls Moses to the top. And Moses is there for 40 days and 40 nights, it says in, in Exodus chapter 24. And while Moses is gone, the people get a little bit restless. And they say, is that really God? Should we fashion for ourselves our own God? And so they began to press in on Aaron. And they said to Aaron, Aaron, make for us a God. And so they all take all their gold and they give it to him and they melt it into this calf. And they begin to worship this calf and say that this golden calf is the one that has delivered us. 
As I read through that, the weight of that begins to break my heart. Because I think when I first read that, and I hear that, man, how quickly it it was that they just turned their hearts away from the Lord. Shame on them. I mean, Moses has only been gone for 40 days. And they've already turned their back after they've seen all of these miracles. And in my heart, I say, how could they, right? And then I quickly remember how quick it is or how short of amount of time it is that Wes Franklin himself will turn his back on the Lord if I'm not careful and wander away when I've seen the Lord do so much. So here we are at a very weighty moment because God has given the command in in Exodus chapter 33 for them to leave Mount Sinai. So they've seen all of these miracles. The law had been given on the mount. And they're getting ready to leave. But while Moses was up on the mountain, something very significant began to, to happen. From, from, I believe it is Genesis, I mean, uh, Exodus chapter 25, uh, all the way through um, Exodus chapter 31, I believe it is, uh, we began to read these details about this tabernacle. How many of you guys have ever labored through reading that and you're like, wow, that's a lot of detail, right? Anybody with me? Yeah. And sometimes we can sort of get bored and we're like, oh my goodness, this curtain's going to do that and this gold, right? Like, that's what we do. But there's something very, very interesting about those passages of Scripture as God begins to lay out not only the tabernacle, but the things that would be in the tabernacle and the purpose for which they're going to be in there. And then he begins to talk about the Ark of the Covenant in which the presence of God is going to reside in the tabernacle. And then he gives the command to leave Mount Sinai, and that's where I want us to pick up the story this morning. So Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, says that the Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people." I want you to think about that for a second. All of this leading up and while they're out at Mount Sinai, everything that the Lord had been talking to Moses about on the mountain was about the presence of the Lord residing among his people. And now they have fashioned this golden calf and they have decided that they were going to worship that. And the Lord says to to Moses, go down. This is in chapter 32. Go down, look at what your people are doing. They are already worshiping false gods. And Moses begins to intercede for them. And then we arrive at this passage and he says, you know what, I'm going to fulfill my promise. I want you guys to see the character of God in this. Let's not miss that. The Lord is, the, is, is a God who keeps his promises. He says, go ahead, you're going to depart. I'm going to send you, I'm going to send an angel out in front of you. And you're still going to possess the land flowing with milk and honey just as I had promised all the way back a long time ago. Even from Genesis chapter 12 when he calls out Abraham. Think about that for a moment. But he says, 
I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people. What does it mean to be stiff-necked? Man, I wondered about that because yesterday I did a little work around the yard and my neck's a little stiff this morning. You know what I'm talking about? But he's talking about sort of a, a hard people, a, a, a difficult people, a, 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 a stubborn people. And what we begin to see after he tells them, I'm going to send an angel before you, but I'm not going to go. We begin to see in verse 4, when the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned. They mourned. They began to realize the weight of what had taken place. And now all of a sudden, God has said, I'm going to send this angel. You see, before it had been God who was leading the way before them. It says that he was with them. And now all of a sudden, there's this angel in place here. Another chain in the command. Another Another separation even further away from God. And in their minds, they're wondering, you know, beforehand, even when God was in a, in a cloud and a pillar of fire, we felt some distance. And, and I think one of the reasons that they wanted to have this golden calf is because they wanted something tangible they could touch, something close, something they could see, right? You guys with me? And now not only do they not have that, they're even further separated because it says just an angel of the Lord is going to go not his presence. And so it says in verse 5, For the Lord said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up with you, I would consume you. God would totally eradicate them if his presence was to reside among them, he's saying. So now take off your garments that I may know what to do with you. Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward they were mourning because the presence of the Lord was not going to go with them now I'm going to skip a section in this but we're going to come back to it so I want us to jump down to verse 12 where I began reading this morning but we're going to come back and we're going to deal with verse 7 through 11 so don't you guys worry about that we'll be back in just a minute so he says in verse 12 Moses said to the Lord see you say to me bring up this people but you've not let me know whom you will send with me Yet you have said to me, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, Lord, please show me your ways so that I may know you. So that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then Moses says, so the Lord relents. So Moses is interceding on behalf of the people. And all of a sudden, he hears the Lord say, okay, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. But look at what Moses does. It's almost as if Moses doesn't hear, right? Moses is pleading with the Lord. He's pleading with the Lord. He's pleading with the Lord. And right in the middle of it, the Lord says, okay, my presence will go with you. And then Moses says, if your presence will not go with me, don't bring me up from here. Think about that for a minute. Moses doesn't even want to go if the Lord is not going to be the one that goes with him. He, he's going to this place that's been promised, this land flowing with milk and honey, right? Like this, this land that just has an abundance of everything that he could possibly need. And he was still going to get it, but he was going to get it without the Lord. And he began to plead. And then the Lord relented and said, yes, I'll, I'll go. 
And then he continues on and on and on again here as we see verse 15. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, don't bring us up from here. What was it that Moses wanted the most? Was it, what did he, was it the land that he wanted? Was it the promise that God had given him of the land that he wanted? Or was it God that he wanted? It was God that he wanted. I love, I love this right here, man. Like, I love when y'all talk back to me. That's great. It was the presence, the tangible presence of the Lord that he wanted. And man, as I process through this, and as I, can, I continue to read this year after year, I read my Bible through year after year, and every time I get, I get to this place, I have to stop and I have to ask myself, Lord, is it you that I want, or is it the benefits that you can give me that I want? And man, I process through that over and over again. But if you continue to follow what Moses says, he says, For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other tribe on the face of the earth. You see, there's no distinction apart from the presence of God. He's just any other people group on the face of the earth. And so he recognized, even as the Israelites, that it's only by God and his presence alone being with them that they have any distinction whatsoever. And so he gets to verse 17 And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And then Moses, I think, sort of gets off the rail a little bit, it looks like. Moses is like so excited, and he's so fired up. What does he ask for? He says, Lord, please show me your glory. He's pleading for the Lord to show him his glory. Uh, Let me read you this quote. I found this uh, very, very interesting as I was, uh, as I was reading through here um, because I love the way uh, John Calvin says this in his commentary. He says, uh, Thus far, the desires of Moses had been confined within the limits of moderation and sobriety. <laughs> but now he is carried beyond due bounds and longs for more than is lawful or expedient. He desires that God should be revealed to him more closely and more manifest than before. We learn from the reply of God, wherein he shows that it would be injurious or fatal to Moses. Look what he says to him. Moses says, please show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will claim before you my name the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and mercy on whom I will show mercy. But you cannot see my face, or man shall not see me and live. The full, tangible presence of the glory of God. Now, one of the things that I believe as I continue to read through this, and and the plead of Moses to want the glory of God was because previously, when he's before they are told to leave from Mount Sinai, all this information that we're giving about the, the, the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant and the things that were going to be in there and the presence of the Lord would reside is now he's heard that the Lord's not going to go. And when the Lord relents and says, okay, I'll go, he automatically begins to say, okay, then would your glory please show up? Would you show us tangibly that your glory is going to be among us? So he's in a right place in his heart because he doesn't want to go unless the Lord goes. And what he wants to see the most is the glory of God. And God says, man, I can't even do that because if I do, you're going to die. And then he follows up with this, verse 21. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. 
And where my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. Moses has requested to see the glory of God. He's asking God to give him some, some type of indication of his presence as he did when the covenant was confirmed at Mount Sinai. But God says, I can't do that because it's going to kill you. But, when I, but what I will do is I'll put you in a cleft of the rock. And while my glory passes by, I'm going to cover you with my hand. And I'm going to allow all my goodness to pass before. And I want you to notice in verse 19, he says to him, um, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. In Isaiah 42, verse 8, we hear this language being used by the prophet Isaiah. God says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I will give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. You know, sometimes I, I believe that um, even in our own lives, we um, may even uh, attempt in our, our Christian walks to somehow try to steal the, the glory that God alone himself deserves and place some of it on, on ourselves. And, and, I, and I'm afraid that far too often sometimes that begins to, to be what is pursued more, more than the glory of the Lord himself because I can promise you when the presence and the glory of the Lord show up, everything shifts and everything changes. We're going to have to back up and go to that verse 7 and we're going to have to deal with this uh, stuff about the tent. So let's back up and take a look at the tent because I, I need to move us into the New Testament real quick uh, before we close today. Because you guys got to see how this connects to Jesus, man. This is so beautiful. So there's two things I want to show you because I want you to see how this, how this points to Christ. So let's back up and, and take a look for a minute because the reason why I avoided it because this little section almost seems like it interrupts your reading, okay? And so he says in verse 7, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meetings, and everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meetings, which was outside the camp. Now, how many times have y'all heard him say, outside the camp, outside the camp, outside the camp? The tent was outside the camp. It wasn't in the midst of the people. And if you wanted to meet with the Lord, you had to go outside the camp to meet with the Lord at the tent. There was a, a separation. So the, the, the presence of the Lord was not residing inside the camp. It was, it was outside the camp. In verse 8, whenever Moses went out to the tent... All the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Here's the picture. The tent is outside the camp. Moses would get up and he would begin to walk through the camp and the people would step forward from their tents and come to their doors and they would see Moses, right? Because Moses is this covenant representative who is going to meet with God on behalf of the people and they would stand there and they would watch Moses walk outside the camp to the tent of meetings and it says that they would begin to 
worship. Each at his tent door. Verse 11, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses returned again to the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So you only had like this one assistant that is at the tent. You didn't have the presence of the Lord residing in the midst of the people. And this is a big deal because all along God has come down to his people to reside among the midst of his people. And so what has happened is this tent is outside the camp and they have to go out there to meet. Moses goes and meets on on their behalf. Now I want you to pick something up with me. If you would, flip with me over to John The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. We can't miss this. We got to meet together, y'all. Here we go. You ready? John, chapter 1, verse 1. I need you to trek with me on this. I don't want to lose you. John, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. He, pick that up, he was in the beginning with God. Now skip down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Exactly. Bam. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He became flesh and dwelt among us, the only Son from the Father. Who is that? Jesus. And you know what's interesting about that little phrase, dwelt among us? You know what that literally means in the original language? It means that He's pitched His tent with us. The Lord Jesus sent, I mean, uh, God sent the Lord Jesus to us to be his own representative, to dwell among his people in the midst, and he pitched his tent right up in the middle of all of us. How about that? And it says that not only that, not only did he pitch his tent among us, it is his glory, the glory as the only son from the Father. Hebrews uh, 1.3 says it like this. He, talking about Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So Jesus has come, he's pitched his tent among us in the form of a man, and this man, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God. And during his time here on earth, he was the manifestation of God's glory to his people. And after he left, he said, I'm going to send my comforter to you, and we know that the Holy Spirit of God came at Pentecost. You guys with me? Is that not exciting or what? He has pitched his tent among us. He has sent us his spirit. And we are the temple of unto the Lord. And his Holy Spirit resides with us when we repent and forgive and are forgiven of our sins and invite him to save us and, and redeem us. You know, as I was thinking about poor old Moses, you know, he's pleading with being able to see the glory of the Lord. And, and Moses, you know, he, he wasn't around when Jesus came. He didn't get to see the, the Son of, of God on this earth. And then I remembered this, this, this little portion of Scripture in, in Matthew chapter 17. And in Matthew chapter 17, a few of the disciples uh, go up on this mountain with Jesus, Peter, James, and John. 
And he invites them to go up, and he told the rest of them, you guys got to stay down here. And so he goes up to the mountain, and it says that Jesus was transfixed before them. This is the transfiguration, right? It's almost like he opens his robes up, and he begins to show the fullness of who he really is. And the scriptures record that there were two men that were there with them that Peter saw. Moses and Elijah. And I thought to myself, the very thing in Exodus that he's pleading for is to see the glory of God. He's now standing on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus exposing who he is. And Moses gets to see the glory of God. So I had to ask myself some questions, you guys. And I'm going to ask you too because I don't want to have to deal with this passage on my own. <laughs> you know, where is our sense of desperation for the, for the glory of God to reside among us? Where, where is that level of urgency for the glory of God to reside among those who've never even heard about Jesus? Christ has come. He resides among us. He's, he, he walked on this earth. He said when he left, uh, you're going to be my witnesses, but hold up, fellas, wait in Jerusalem, and I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit comes. And as a result of that, people are continuing to be saved, and the number is being added to the church. But my question is, what are we pursuing? Are we pursuing things that God can give us, or are we pursuing God himself? And so I think today we need to make sure that we're not just wanting the things that can be given to us. I I can get so wrapped up. I I told you guys last time I preached, I was very... Um, before uh, I was very materialistic and God broke my heart over those things and I, and I have to be sure that I catch myself over and over that it's not the things of God or the blessings of God that he gives but it's God himself that I want or do we desire these things that we might be able to use those things as a platform or a conduit to display and proclaim the desperation we have in our hearts for the glory of God and his renown And so I would pray that that would be the kind of people that we would be, that we would be conduits of God's glory to those around us who do not know who Jesus is. And may when they look in our face, they would see Jesus and not see me. And I would pray that for you guys, for Rocky Mount Baptist Church, that those people that are outside of this walls, that are not sure what takes place in here, that when you walk outside of here, that they see the church, that the church is not the building, The church is you, and what they get to see is a tangible tangible expression of the glory of God through Jesus in your life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for um, a time to hear from your word. Thank you, God, that um, you have given it to us. We have it in a language that we can read and understand. Thank you, God, that You no longer reside outside, but you are among us. You sent Jesus to live and to die for the glory of your great name so that we could have our sins forgiven, so that we could truly be made alive. Lord, help us in our weakness, for we are weak, and we know that when we are, you are made strong. And so today I pray, God, that if there's anyone in this room today that is just not quite sure about this Jesus guy I keep talking about, that... May get that straight. And whether it's talking to me or someone else in this room today, God, that they wouldn't leave um, not knowing what it means to 
experience the fullness of who Jesus is uh, in our world. God, help us as we walk out of this place, that as we enter into our mission field, God, that uh, the glory of God is on display for all who see. And may we live lives worthy of the gospel. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.